Good morning. It is a good morning. Very, I did Rod Star today too. That's kind of cool. Last week, Bill was here of Carry the Cure Star, so we praying blessing on Bill and Carry the Cure out in the villages. In Jesus' name, Lord, rock the villages with your goodness. We speak to the spirit of suicide. You, ha- you have to die. Suicide, die in Jesus' name. Does anybody agree with that? Yeah. So, so good. I'm looking forward to tonight. Tonight's going to be a lot of fun. So thankful for Sound Decision. They're working hard getting it ready for us. And uh, just really blessed at all the work they've done for us. I'm going to be preaching out of a text that actually I've been meditating on for about three weeks now. And uh, it just turns out I was watching this week a a worship service at Bethel. And Chris spoke on this particular passage. He ended up applying it a little different than I. But he really went after fear. He said, you know, we need not to be afraid of the coronavirus. Anybody agree with that? It's not that we need to be ignorant of it or stupid about it. But fear is not our friend. Say that. Fear is not my friend. And, uh, you know, he's given, God has given us a spirit of love, power, and sound mind, not a spirit of fear. And so that's what he was going after in the scriptures and in his application of words. So at the end he goes, okay, I'm going to call you into a fast. He says, I want you to fast fear for 30 days, and every time you're tempted, eat chocolate. <laughs> he said, no, I'm serious. I said, fast fear, and every time you're tempted, eat chocolate. And then we'll know if you entered the fast or not, because you have gained weight. <laughs> if you don't gain weight, then we know you're not in the fast. That was his application. <laughs> Mine's a little bit different. So why don't you put your hand on your hearts real quick. Father, I thank you for this family. I thank for every person in this room. You know them by name. You know what their week's been like. You know the challenges. You know the blessings. And I just pray the Spirit of the living God would speak to us and encourage us, convict us, and shape us and change us by your word. In Jesus' name, and Lord, help me. God, help me. Somebody say, help Dennis. My word, that guy needs help. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to preface this by quickly saying what we're doing, where we've been as a church family. It's been really fun hearing what God's doing in people's lives as far as leaning in and becoming a disciple of Jesus. The hunger for God's word in this church like is just growing. I just hear testimonies and wonderful. Two weeks ago, we kind of finished this part of our series of being with Jesus. We have three things we're going after, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, then doing what Jesus does. And uh, or did and does still does. He's same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so Carla gave a word two weeks ago. Last week was great too with David. Man, we've been having some amazing messages in the house. And uh, Carla gave a great word about valuing the Word of God. And actually, when you're in the Word of God, makes His home with you. He dwells with you as you open the Word and start meditating, studying, and let the Word of God impact your life. And it's a powerful, powerful Word. And out of that Word, I was this week reading in different places. I landed on a scripture, and it's not what I'm end up preaching out of, but I want to read it to you. John 17, 14 through 18. Jesus says, I have given them your Word. He's, oh, I have something. First of all, i got to say this. i got really good news for you. Jesus is praying for you right now. Think about that. The creator of the universe became our savior 
He's our great intercessor, and he's praying for you. Casey's praying for you. Derek, he's praying for you. Josh, Nicole, Noel, he's praying for you guys. That's an amazing thing. And he models it in John 17 right here. I have given them your word, his disciples. Carla gave us the word two weeks ago. Powerful. And the world, though, has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Anybody happy that Jesus is praying that he keeps us from the evil one? Keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify, which means set them apart. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I want to take just a few minutes and remind you guys what this word says about who you are. Can I do that for a minute? I want to start with this whole idea that you're God's sent ones. He says, the Father sent me, so send I you. You're ambassadors of another world. It's superior to the natural here. You're actually citizens of another kingdom. God has rescued you out of the darkness of dominion, right? And he has put you in the kingdom of his beloved son. And so the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're new, baby, or brother. <laughs> you're a new creation. The Bible says, Peter says, you are partakers of God's divine nature. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually talks to the Corinthians and says, why are you acting like mere men? You can no longer use the excuse, I'm only a human, to defend your behavior. Because you're not. The Bible says, greater, come on, come on, greater is he who is in who? Somebody say me. me. Than he who is in the world. You are a new living creature. And Jesus, as the head of the church, all authority has been given to him. We are his body, and he has subjected all things underneath his feet, which is you and me, which means all the powers of hell are subject to your words. Is there any believers in the room? The Apostle Paul, he says, he prays Ephesians chapter man, 1. I just hope they get this. I just hope they get this. I, hope, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to the surpassing greatness of power that's toward those who believe. Are there any believers in the room? Yeah. And then Jesus really laid it on us. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me shall do the works that I do, and greater things shall you do. The question comes back to, do we really believe what the Word of God says? This week I had the opportunity to step into the superintendent's office. I asked 
Dr. Goyette, Monica, if she would meet with me. And uh, so, was it Thursday, Marianne? I was in there. I guess I said hi to Marianne. She, was it Friday? And in a Friday, and I took her one of these T-shirts, gave it to her, and she really liked it. She, I, I was showing it to her, and I said, I don't know, maybe I should say I am significant. She said, no, I think I am somebody is perfect. I like that shirt. And so I was telling her about our vision as a church, just clarifying with her, and I, I shared with her that our vision and dream is that every person in the Matanuska Valley would come into the awareness before God, they're very significant. And there's two reasons, I told her, two reasons, because every person is created in the image of God. And when God was done with the creation of them, he said, very good. And then the other reason is because God sent his son to take upon his body on the cross every person's sins because he wants every person to have a relationship with him. And those two reasons stimulate us compel us to try to make a difference in this valley. Anybody agree with that? We had a good dialogue, a discussion, and I was just sharing about our hearts for the children of the valley by telling a story of one of Haley's students. Haley's the first grade teacher, and uh, one of her students is a little boy. I won't say his name. I'll just call him, I'll just, for fun, I'll call him Dennis, little Dennis, okay? And... Uh, and, and little Dennis is in her classroom, but he lives with his grandmother because his dad tried to kill his mom in front of him. And now he is incarcerated, and his mom fled, and she's so afraid he's never seen his mom again. And this little boy is in Haley's classroom. Uh, this last week, or a couple weeks ago, Haley was singing a song. I don't know the context of how or why she was singing this song, but you guys, those with white hair especially, will recognize it. It's, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Anyway, that's the song. And so she was singing that over the classroom, and little Dennis started crying, bawling. And Haley went over and said, what's wrong? And he said, my mom used to sing that song to me. And I told our superintendent, I said, would you pray in ways, would you consider and strategize with us how we can make a difference in the Matanuska Valley? How many of you know that if we're going to make a difference, then we need the empowerment of Jesus Christ? We need the anointing of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked in power on the earth. And, and he actually said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. I want to take just a minute and just remind ourselves of how Jesus stepped into power. Because he wasn't born with the power of the Holy Spirit on him. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, so he didn't need to be born again. But he didn't receive the power of the Holy Spirit until he was baptized in the Jordan River. Anybody remember him being baptized? He had to be water baptized just like a man because he was walking his life out on the earth, not as God, though he was fully God. He was walking on the earth as a man, submitted to the Father, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he had to have water baptism, just like we did two weeks ago. He went to John the Baptist and says, will you baptize me? And John's goes, what do you mean? You need to baptize me. He says, no, 
for the sake of righteousness, because I'm going to walk this out as a human, I need you to baptize me. And so as he's being baptized, the Bible says, the heavens rendered open, the Holy Spirit came out of heaven like a dove, landed on him, and the Father affirmed him, right? You are my beloved Son, and in you I am well pleased. The Bible says he was filled with the Spirit at that point. And he walked, the Spirit led him into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. And sometimes we think, and I love what Jason and I were talking about yesterday, Lou Engel points out, we think that he went into the wilderness, then this was going to be the place where Satan attacked him. But that was not the plan. The plan that he was going to get so filled with heaven and the perspective of heaven that as a human, he would not be tempted by the lust of flesh, the pride of life, or the lust of the eyes. That's what Satan tempted him with. And so when Satan came, after he's been in this place of just feasting on God, his father, Satan came with the lust of flesh, and Jesus says, nah, boom. Satan tempts him with the lust of the eyes. Jesus says, nah, boom. And then Satan tempts him with the boastful pride of life, which was the last one. Jesus says, nah, boom. And he destroyed the power that Satan have that we too can walk in the same authority over the lust of flesh, lust of eyes, and boastful pride of life. You see, Jesus went into the wilderness not to be attacked by Satan, but to destroy the power of Satan. And that's what he did. And so we're in this place where afterwards he steps out of the wilderness and he steps into the temple... He steps into what they had as the Messiah's chair, and he grabs the scroll, and this is what he reads now. He comes out of the wilderness, it said, the Bible says, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke 4, 17 through 18. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable day of the Lord. So he walked in power. We see this in the, in the Bible as we read about him. He, he heals the sick, and he raises the dead, and then he grabs his disciples. Hey, guys, I want you to do this too. And he commissioned them. He says, wherever you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is hand. Heal the sick. Everybody say, raise the dead. Now say it like you mean it. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leopard. Cast out demons. Freely receive. Freely give. These are scriptures that our church has gone through for probably about 15 years, 14 or 15 years. And I, I have to share this because it's part of... Uh, the zeal in my belly, is we went and prayed, uh, Becky and Marlon and I went uh, and prayed for Friday, prayed for Maurice Hendrickson. Maurice Hendrickson is a friend of ours, and he passed away on Saturday to be with the Lord. Uh, he had cancer. I hate cancer. I hate cancer. And uh, we prayed for him, and we prayed with authority. We believe that God wants to heal and can heal and will heal. It's his will to heal. We laid our hands. I actually canceled the assignment of cancer. I spoke to the spirit of death. You leave this man alone. 
I speak life into his body. Cancer, go. He didn't, he didn't live. And so the question I have in my belly is, Lord, how do we step in to the power that you want to release? Because cancer needs to bow. How many of you know cancer is not too big for Jesus? Anybody here know that? And so this is really the context of what happens with the disciples. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew 17, disciples are in the same place that I just explained to you that sometimes I'm in. And I don't have all the scriptures, so I hope you have a Bible or um, your smartphone close to you. Uh, so that you can read it with me. I'm going to read through the whole passage Then come back. Matthew 17, verse 14. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are just coming out down the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, they come into the city. Verse 14 says, When they came up to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to disciples and they could not cure him. And then Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generations, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. You know, we always think that Jesus is always kind, right? And he is kind, but not always. And this point... There was something going on, and I don't know for sure what was going on in him, but you could tell there was something going on in him. And uh, I, Jason and Mariah mentioned to me the other day, or Jay, Mariah actually talked about, there's two things that Jesus marveled over, faith and unbelief. And this is a place where he's marveling over unbelief. I don't believe that he's frustrated with the father and his son. I think he's a little bit like... Come on, guys, you should be getting this by now to his disciples. Jesus rebuked the demon, and the demon came out, and the boy was cured at once. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And everybody say this with me. Nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not come out but by prayer and fasting. I'd like to do just a quick word study or describe some words here that he uses. Unbelieving and perverted generation. Some of your Bibles say faithless and perverted generation. And I just want to talk about faith. Let's just... Talk about faith for a minute. The definition of faith, faith is the assurance, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Everybody say hope. Hope is a big deal for us right now. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So faith is looking into the future, pulling things into the present by believing. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As a believer, a follower of Christ, we're actually to live our lives from the unseen realm. The Bible says the just shall live by faith, not by sight. The Apostle Paul, he said, we look at those things which are not seen, 
not at those things which are seen, for those things which are not seen are eternal, those things which are seen are temporal. So faith is actually living with the awareness of God, his word, the angelic realm, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are to live from him into this world and shape and change history according to the power that is within us and is upon us. So faith is essential to overcoming powers of darkness on the earth. This word, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which is actually the word rhema, which God, in, when we're in the logos, the written word of God, God speaks to us specific words about our lives and what he wants to do, and that's the rhema. Faith is increased when we hear the rhema. I'll give you an example of that in a, in a few minutes. It's conceivable then how this could have been, oh, I want to talk about perverted. Everybody say perverted. Perverted for us means uh, some kind of deviant behavior or moral corruption, and it could mean that in the original language, but more often this is what perverted means. It meant distorted or misinterpreted or to turn away. Actually, this could be translated, this is an unbelieving and distracted generation. So what, what Jesus is saying in essence to the disciples, listen, you're, you're too disconnected to that world and you're too connected to this world. That's really what he's saying. You're not as connected to God as you need to be and you're way more connected to the natural realm than you, than you should be. And so he's inviting them to reconsider their priorities. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, the challenge of our faith is not our ability to hear God's voice. The challenge of our faith is our willingness to hear other voices. There are so many opinions and ideologies that are competing for our attention and ultimately for our affections. One other just statement, I don't remember who said this, but I wrote it down somewhere. It says, if we are not intentionally being discipled by Jesus, then we are unintentionally being discipled by the world. How many can say amen to that? Brenda and I uh, don't watch much TV. When we do, it's almost because I want to watch a sports program. And uh, sometimes at night before we go to bed, I'll have ESPN on, and she's sitting by me. And her lifestyle, she says, I don't want to eat after 6 o'clock. This is how I... This is how I play my game. After 6 o'clock, I don't eat. So most of the time, she doesn't eat, and oftentimes she's sitting by me just before it's time to go to bed, and she goes, oh, I'm hungry. And then what comes on TV as an ad? Food. Food, 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 food. Almost always there's this big, just about the time she's got to bed, and she goes, oh, I'm hungry. And then this big cheeseburger thing comes on, you know, it's got the onion rings in there and bacon's stripping off and, you know, and both of us are going, oh, I wish I could get that right now. And the advertisements, you know, they just like, it just magnifies, you know, if you want, we're going to give you two burgers for one this week. And if you want four, we'll give you two for four for two or eight for four. We'll give you all the burgers you need. It will make you happy forever. And we'll throw in french fries too. You guys know you get you like cheese on your pizza? We're going to double the cheese on your pizza. 
And we're just going to stuff it in the crust, too. We're going to make it really full of cheese. Right? Totally. It's all over the place. Are you discouraged? Feeling kind of blue? Not in the in crowd? You need to drink Bud Light. That's what you need. If you drink Bud Light, all the thin, beautiful people drink Bud Light. I'm telling you, this is what you need, Bud Light. Drink Bud Light. Yesterday, I was watching an advertisement, and, and it says, if you're an outdoors person, you have to have a Jeep Wrangler limited edition. And so then, you know, this big Jeep is going over all the road. Of course, Alaskans, yeah, that's what I want, a Jeep Wrangler. Or how about the ad- underwear ads? No, let's not go there. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you don't get intentional about being discipled by Jesus, you will be, can I say, worldly-minded and discipled by the world. I'm going to share a story because it kind of helps me, and I've been thinking about where we are as a church and believing God wants to release a new place of anointing and power in our lives as a church. It takes me back to a journey that I was on about 15, 16 years ago. And uh, uh, Craig and Scott and I, two elders, we went to Brazil. And Randy Clark gave us training manuals to read and study before we went. And he also asked us to fast for 10 days before we left. And I, I remember I didn't do it very well, but I did attempt a 10-day fast. And then when I went to Brazil, you have to realize we did not have faith to believe that. I mean, we were in this journey of believing that we could walk in power, and we hadn't experienced very much. I had never actually laid hands on somebody and prayed with authority, believing for sure that God wanted to heal somebody. And, and so we're fasting, we're praying, and reading the training manuals, and then we get over there. Now we're in this auditorium that seats about 10,000, about 6,000 people are there in the meetings. And many of you heard me tell this story. Some of you have heard it so many times you could tell it, but there's, there's a reason why I'm telling it again. Some of you haven't heard it. There's this one lady that I've been praying for. She had a cancer in her stomach. She had a tumor about the size of my fist, and I could actually feel the tumor through her hand almost. I mean, that's, it was that pronounced. And it was, she was terminal. Doctor said she wasn't going to live. And so I had been praying for her. I prayed for her two nights, and I said, you just keep coming back, and I'll keep praying for you. I was in worship, and we were singing Agnes Day. And I just remember being in this place with God. like I'm just like worshiping and saying, oh, God, you are the king of kings. You reign, God. You reign. That's in the song. You reign, God. You reign in Manaus. You reign in Brazil. Come show forth your strength. You're the king of kings. I mean, just in this worship and intercession with the Lord, just saying, God, show up and show off. Show these people how much you love them. And I'm just praying, like worshiping like this, and the power or the glory, not the power really, the glory of God, the weightiness of God just whoosh, just landed on me. And I'm like, whoa, I've never had this happen to me before. I actually really have never had it to that level since, to be honest. I've had levels of it, but not like that day. I felt like my hands just gained 20 pounds each with anointing. Now I described anointing. I didn't even know then. And then the most beautiful thing happened. I heard the voice of God. 
Now, there's only twice in my life I can say I heard the voice of God so distinctly, I think it might have been audible. It's almost like Paul says, whether I was in the body or not, I don't know. It's kind of that, that clearly to me. And this is what he said. This is for Mariette. So as soon as Randy releases to pray for people, Mariette was always over here in this area. She sat with Maria, who is the neighbor who brought her for prayer the first night. I beelined for Mariette. I set her down in a chair, and I just confidently knew, because I heard the rhema of God, I said, Mariette, the Lord's going to heal you tonight. And I had her put her hand where the tumor was. I put my hand on her hand, and I just commanded cancer to leave. I said, Holy Spirit, make her new on the inside. I, I speak healing over. And the power of God, whoosh, into this lady. And for 20 minutes to 30 minutes, she shook. She went out in the spirit, and she shook in that chair. I prayed for other people while I was waiting to see what was going to happen. When she came to, I went over to her. I said, Mariette, is the tumor there? And she goes like this. She says, it's gone. Totally gone. Yeah, praise God. Three days later, she came to me with the a certificate or a report from her doctor saying that she was cancer-free. But here's the deal. We came back. Our church experienced the Holy Spirit. We had lots, we've had lots of healing through this church, but we've also, also had lots of losses. Uh, one of the greatest losses that we've experienced is, is when Lola Smith died, and she battled cancer in our midst for two years. And, and we prayed, and we prayed, we contended, we contended, contended right up to the day she went to be with the Lord. And she was a young woman, relatively, uh, late 40s. And what happens to people and to a church is sometimes, sometimes we get deferred hope going on, and we step back. And we no longer are out on the front line taking risks. We're no longer believing like we once did. Disillusionment sets in because somebody passed away that we knew God wanted to heal. And we take a step back. And pretty soon we're not walking in the power anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe the Lord is giving us an invitation to step back in to the game. And I, I want to look at this word when he says, the littleness, because of the littleness of your faith. Because it's not like what we think. The word littleness here, we often think of it as being like the size of the mustard seed, which, which can be that way. But if you look at the Greek in the original, it's mostly describing duration, length of time. Like you didn't stay in the game, you didn't keep contending, you retreated. You pull back. And this is what happens with believers when they believe and they really believe and they go after it and things don't happen like they thought they should is oftentimes we get disillusioned, we pull back, and we don't keep contending and not provoked by what God's Word says about what's available to us. And sometimes this happens to us like in Mark chapter 4, talking about a soil that had the seed planted but then the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. 
Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells another story. You remember the story of the wicked judge who had no respect for God and no respect for man. And the widow comes and says, I need you to protect me. I need a protective order. You guys remember that? And that widow is like, I need a protective order. 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 Are you annoyed yet? The judge got annoyed. And he said, because this woman has wore me out. And then the Lord says, how much more will God deliver the elect who cry out to him day and night? And he finishes that passage. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I believe that the Lord is calling us into a place of prayer and fasting. I know personally, I have been feeling that. I actually talked about this three weeks ago. I've been reading about and studying ever since. The early church, fasting was a part of their lifestyle. I think when Jesus said this doesn't come out by prayer and fasting, he wasn't saying, well, I went and prayed and fasted real quick so I, get, so I could get rid of this cancer. No, he lived a prayer and fasting lifestyle. And so the early church, if you read in history, the early church fasted every Wednesday and Friday plus other times. And they walked in a revelation of that world invading this world because they were so attentive to that world, the unseen, and so disconnected from the temporal pleasures, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life that they walked in authority and anointing. As we've been in this place and... uh, Every Thursday is a day that I put aside to fast, and I've just been feeling compelled more, like God's got so much more. And Mariah and I were talking the other day after a time of prayer in our prayer room, and Mariah said, I want to tell you a dream that I had. And so Jason has been stirred up. I want him to come share, too. Mariah, could you come up and just share? And that mic beside Mr. Aaron there is, you can come up, too, stand beside your bride, Jason, because I want you to share as well. Hey, somebody say welcome them, huh? Say. This is so dangerous, giving two preachers five minutes to talk, <laughs> which is why I typed it out. Okay, so um, this is what I shared with Dennis. I'd been waking up for a week at 3 a.m., and on the morning of 2-20, 2020, I woke up again at 3 a.m. from a dream. I only mention that because sometimes the Lord will use different things to get your attention, right? So the dream was of a friend of mine letting me care for her baby for three weeks. There's that three again, before she came up to Alaska. In the dream, I was holding the baby and cuddling her. I was loving and doting on her, and she was such a happy baby. So the name of the baby is really important. This is her name in real life, and in the dream, it was uh, really important too. My friend's baby's name is Wild Hope. My friend's name, Wild Hope's mom, is Shay, which means gift. When I woke up, I asked the Lord what the dream meant, and one of the interpretations that he gave me was that for three weeks, which equals 21 days, there will be a fast. But through the whole fast, we are to carry wild hope. We are not fasting and then only celebrating when the promise or the gift is released into our hands, but we are to carry wild hope through 21 days because we have Jesus. So faith and belief is imperative in this hour. We deny our flesh and the limits of our understanding and step joyfully into mystery and divine fellowship with Jesus. 
Yeah, Mariah, I want you to share a little bit more about the joy of holding wild hope. Like, you talked about, like, it's not a sacrifice, really, because you're getting this thing with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the dream, man, I was just like, I was like holding her. I was squeezing her. She was laughing. I was bathing her, putting her down to sleep. And that was like one of the biggest things that the Lord was ministering to me was that like, sometimes we only dance and we sing and we celebrate when we hold or when the manifestation of the promise is among us. But the Lord is just saying, even before you hold the promise, carry wild hope. So even through fasting, even through times of contending, we're to carry wild hope. Come on. Come on. So good. Yeah, so good. That's good. So as you get up there, I want to show a picture, that picture of the book. He's been stirred up by a book that he's read. Um, What's the name of the author? Franklin Hall. Franklin Hall. This is the picture. In the fasting prayer, look, unbelief, doubts, and lusts get burned away. Anybody want that? Unbelief, doubts, and and lusts get burned away. I love that. Go ahead. About the same time when Mariah was being woken up in the middle of the night and had this dream, I had heard a testimony uh, about John G. Lake. Are you guys familiar with John G. Lake? Okay. So I had heard a testimony about his life. And if you know anything about some of the things that he experienced, they saw a million people get saved through his life and ministry in South Africa. They had over, plans of over 600 churches, raised up over 1,200 leaders. Uh, he's also known for the healing rooms in Spokane, Washington, where they have medically documented over 100,000 hospice cases were sent home, were, when they were sent to die, were sent home completely healed, medically documented, 100,000. Spokane was ruled or proclaimed the healthiest city in the United States. You want to talk about coronavirus. They had a plague that was killing people in South Africa. They had uh, like biohazard suits on and because it was airborne or whatever. They weren't sure what was happening. And he was out there, you know, taking care of people and bringing them in. They were like, dude, you're going to catch this. And he said, what's inside of me is stronger than this plague. Come on. They put a strand of the plague in his hand and they watched it die under a microscope. It's documented, true. How about that, right? Yeah. Coronavirus has to bow to the name of Jesus. Come on. A little caveat there. So anyway, I'm listening to his life, and what I heard was the backstory of his testimony. What he asked before any of those things started to happen in his life, he prayed a very fiery, encouraging, and dangerous prayer. He prayed, God, if you will baptize me in the Holy Ghost and give me the power of God, Nothing shall be permitted to stand between me and a hundredfold obedience. Come on. I heard that prayer and it slammed into my soul and I went, I want that. Not to mirror his life or his ministry. I'm not following John G. Lake. I'm following Jesus. But I want that for me. I want that for my wife and for my family. I mean, if we think about that, we get a hold of that prayer. What would that look like for our families and those that are sick and dying, lost? What would that start to look like? And we start moving the needle in a place of fasting and prayer. I believe when Jesus is talking about moving mountains, we want to see suicide, that mountain moved. We want to see addiction and abuse. We want to see those mountains moved. I believe the first mountain that gets moved is unbelief. And fasting and prayer purges that out of us where we push away from the table of feasting on self and feast at the table of wholeheartedness with Jesus. I want to share this with you guys. I'm reading reading this in this book, and it started to blow my mind. Think about this for a second. An atomic bomb, when it's dropped, 
they said that at like 8,000 feet, forests are already vaporized, are already, already consumed, and that the water that's released from an atomic bomb, it's vaporized instantly, goes back up into the atmosphere, and then re-precipitates in other places. Think about that for a second. And that the force of the bomb is like a 20,000 mile an hour hurricane. Think about what could happen if we take that spirit principle in the natural and apply it to spiritual principle of fasting and prayer. Hmm. What would it look like if an atomic bomb of the love and anointing and baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire lands on us, yeah. fueling a wild hope to where our prayer goes back into heaven and starts releasing rain all over the valley, Come on. all over the state of Alaska. Come Can on. we actually get a picture of that in our spirits and our minds, that our prayer is that powerful? Not weak prayers, atomic prayers. Yeah. What do you think? Come on. For the sake of the state of Alaska, for the sake of our families, we say, yes, Jesus. I'll push yeah. away from the table of self and feast at the table of wholeheartedness with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, Tanner, I want you to come, I want you to come up. Everybody say wild hope. Wild. I love that dream. Wild hope. When she shared that dream, I knew that I needed to step into it with a, a three-day. Brendan and I are doing a Daniel fast which is you find from the book of Daniel. That's vegetables and fruit and nuts for the most part. And so that's what we're doing. We'll have a few days where we set aside during that time just water fast. We invite you to join us at whatever level you feel called by the Lord. If you don't feel called by the Lord, I won't look to see if you lost weight or not to see if you're fasting. <laughs> it's really between you and the Lord. It totally is between you and the Lord. You may choose, say, I, I can't do, I could do a one meal a day for 21 days. Or maybe you say, I just want to do a three-day during the 21 days. It's totally between you and the Lord. But I am inviting you. I believe the Lord is inviting you. Fasting is a reset for our faith. Yeah. It's what it is. It's a reset. We actually are increasing our appetite for the unseen realm by decreasing our appetite for the seen realm. And that's what fasting does. I want to show a couple quotes, and then I have Tanner. We're going to stand and actually sing our vision. A couple quotes real quick. This is by Bill Bright. Anybody remember Bill Bright? I believe the power of fasting as it relates to prayer and the spirit is a spiritual atomic bomb. That's what Jason referring to. That our Lord has given us to destroy the strongholds of evil and usher in a great revival, and harvest around the world. This is another quote by Andrew Murray. Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that our highest good is our nearness to God. We are ready to sacrifice anything to know Him and seek first His kingdom. Prayer is the reaching out to God and His unseen realm. Fasting is the letting go of the temporal to gain the eternal. You know, we also, many of us, most of my life as a Christian, I thought of fasting as being for the giants of faith, you know, like the Bill Brights, the Andrew Murrays. But then I realized, no, actually, we're all called to be giants in the faith. In fact, we're all called to take down giants in our land. And so actually, that's the way we become empowered to overcome darkness. Will you stand with me? We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to walk like you. And Lord, our, our 
dream is that every heart would be healed and every family would be made whole and every nation transformed by the love of the Father. That's our dream. We're asking God that you would reconcile families, that you would heal broken uh, people, that you would set the captives free through our family, that we would have an anointing, that we'd have the power of God upon us, Lord, to love on people, not just so they hear the good word, but they see the good word. I ask this in Jesus' name. I asked Tanner to sing this song prophetically, so let's just do that for a minute. So our vision statement is every nation, but we want to start with Alaska, right? So that's what we're going to sing today. Every heart healed, every family made whole, every nation transformed. Oh, whoops, I did it wrong. Okay. <laughs> Alaska transformed by the love of our Father. Every heart healed, every family made whole. Alaska transformed by the love of our Father. Every heart healed, every family made whole. Alaska transformed by the love of my Father. Every heart healed, every family made whole. Alaska transformed by the love of my Father. Every heart healed, every family made whole. Alaska transformed by the love of my Father. Every heart healed, every family made whole. Transformed by the love of my Father. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. They're dancing in the stream. Surely you're the one we've waited for. Surely you're the one we've waited for. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. They're dancing in the stream. Surely you're the one we've waited for. Surely you're the one we've waited for. The blind see. transform for the love of my father. was singing this song at the burn Thursday night he said I don't have a finish it I got more I got to add to I said I don't care I want you to sing it this morning anyway I want you to put your hand on your heart right now Lord I just impart wild hope for what can happen when we're totally submitted to the love of the Father and totally empowered by the Holy Spirit what could happen in this valley, what could happen in their neighborhoods, what could happen in their workplace, what could happen in their schools. I come into agreement, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the valley as it is in heaven. Have your way in the valley and use us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. I just invite you to engage in prayer and fast however the Lord cho chooses, chooses, chooses. I'm going to be sending out an email every day just to encourage people in their walk with the Lord. If you're not on my email list, let me know and I'll put you on it, okay? God bless. Have an amazing day. We have a prayer team. We see healing and miracles up here. So if you need prayer, come forward. Otherwise, love on each other.